The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. It's time to stop focusing on business problems and start focusing on the growth and leadership of your business. Welcome to The Business Edge with your host, Marsha Zeidel. Learn from savvy, street-smart entrepreneurs how to make the leap from running a stressful business that's always putting out fires to leading a successful company that is innovative, productive, profitable. Now, here's Marsha Zeidel. Welcome to The Business Edge. I'm Marsha Zeidel, the Smart Moves coach and speaker, helping entrepreneurs and business owners create a thriving culture and leadership to build great companies that matter, those that do good and do well. My motto is, if you do what you always did, you will get what you always got. Therefore, move outside your comfort zone. That's where the magic happens. So let's start right now to bring some magic to your business and leadership with Marsha's Musings. It's time for Marsha's Musings, a tasty morsel of wisdom and wit to take the growing pains out of growth. Are entrepreneurs born or made? What are the traits and behaviors that drive an individual to start and grow a successful company? Intrigued by this question, Gallup studied 2,500 entrepreneurs to understand their actions and decisions that led to business creation and growth. They found a tremendous variety of behaviors among successful entrepreneurs. But after analyzing the data, they distilled it down to these 10 traits. Listeners, as I go through them, think about which you have and which you need to cultivate. The first is confidence. You accurately know yourself and understand others. The second is delegator. You recognize you can't do everything and are willing to contemplate a shift in style and control. The third is determination. You persevere through difficult, even seemingly insurmountable obstacles. The fourth is disruptor. You exhibit creativity in taking an existing idea or product and turning it into something better. Number five is independence. You are prepared to do whatever needs to be done to build a successful venture. Six, knowledge seeker. You're continually wanting to learn and grow personally and business-wise. Seven, promoter. You are the best spokesman for your business and your products. Eight, relationship builder. You have high social awareness and ability to build affiliations beneficial to you and your business. Nine, risk taker. You're comfortable taking a leap into an uncertain situation. And finally, number 10, success focused. You make decisions based on their impact on your business performance and profitability. So here's a smart moves tip. 
These 10 traits don't address every factor that affects entrepreneurial achievement. Non-personality variables such as skills and knowledge, along with a host of external factors, play a role in building a profitable and impactful business. Therefore, the answer to the question, are entrepreneurs born or made? Well, it's both. It takes a natural bent or talent for starting a business, as well as the skills and knowledge to make the venture successful. Listeners, do you want to know if you have the right stuff, the natural talent to be a successful entrepreneur? A simple assessment, the Entrepreneur Edge, can tell you. Contact me at Marcia, M-A-R-C-I-A, at smartmovescoach.com, or call 972-380-9181. You're listening to Marsha Zidle, the Smart Moves Coach, making sure you're on the right track and not getting sidetracked in your drive for high performance and profitability. Today's program, carrying out the theme of the entrepreneurial journey, is how one person is making a difference in her community and the world. My guest is Brittany Merrill Underwood, who has made an extraordinary impact through her dedication over the past 12 years to transform the lives of impoverished women and families through the Ecola Project. She was named the best person in the world by Yahoo in 2014 and was honored by clothing manufacturer Levi as one of the 50 women around the globe who've changed the political, cultural, spiritual shape of the future. In addition, Brittany has been featured on the Katie Couric Show, CNN Young's People Who Rock, Fox Business, and Modern Luxury. Brittany, it is such a pleasure to have you on the Business Edge telling us about your entrepreneurial journey. Thank you so much for having me. Well, let's get right to it. Um, Tell the listeners about the Ecola Project, why you started it, and I know there is a story, a great story behind it. Yeah, so the Ecola Project um, began, actually, the seeds planted when I was a sophomore at Southern Methodist University in Dallas in 2004. Um, I spent the summer teaching in a boarding school in Uganda and met a woman whose story transformed my life. Um, It was a widowed um, Ugandan woman who sacrificed everything she had to care for street kids in her home and I was just inspired by her story and thought, you know, gosh, I haven't done anything for anyone in my life. And here's this woman who's, you know, sacrificing her food so so children can live. And um, it really changed the direction of my life. And I um, ended up moving to Uganda when I graduated from SMU um, to work on some orphanage projects there. And it was during that time that I started Ecola. And um, so back in 2007, I realized working in Uganda, there's so many other women like the woman I had met who mm-hmm. were struggling to care for 10 to 20 disadvantaged kids in their home, and they had the heart to provide for them, but just not the resources. So we, with a 
team of friends kind of built the ACOLA model to economically empower disadvantaged women so they could meet the basic needs of their children in communities. And tell a little bit about, you know, the, the, that project. Uh, what does it consist of? Um, I know you have some wonderful pr- uh, products. So, um, so, you know, expand that to where it is today. Yeah, so we started in 2007 and, and just thought, you know, we need a way for these women in rural communities to live in extreme poverty to, you know, generate the income they needed to take care of their kids. And um, we started a jewelry business to support that because we figured it's something that would be easy for the women to make and um, that we could sell back in the United States to support them all through a nonprofit framework. And what's amazing is over the next 10 years, this jewelry business grew into a very robust um, fashion brand that we've built that fully supports women in poverty. And we expanded to Dallas to work with women in, in urban poverty about two years ago. And now through our partnership with Neiman Marcus, um, we are sold in every single one of their stores nationwide, online, in their catalog, across every platform. We've been able to employ 100 women living in urban poverty in Dallas to create a cola jewelry. They earn $15 an hour, and um, they're able to really rebuild their lives, as well as 400 women in Uganda in about nine different communities. So it, it grew tremendously from 2007 to today, and um, we are the first full-impact brand in the luxury space. So we're the first brand that gives 100% of our profits back to our social mission that's ever retailed in a space like Neiman Marcus. So it's, um, it's been an exciting journey. I Yes. I mean, uh, I wish we had more time to go into it, and maybe we'll get into that in the next segment. But there are a couple things that I always like to ask entrepreneurs um, after they tell me a bit about their story of why they started their business. So, um, so one of those questions is, what do you find most satisfying in either being an entrepreneur um, and starting a social business? Yeah, I, I love using my creativity to help others. I mean, I think that it's so satisfying to wake up every day and know that the business that I've worked so hard to build and create, it's not just about me. It's impacting 500 women and families in poverty and, and more and more by the day. And um, that that gives me so much purpose and is, is the reason I've, I've worked so hard for so long to build something like this. It's, it's the benefit extends beyond myself to families and communities. And um, that that's helps me get up every day and, and, and work hard and go to work. You know, I think that's so important. Um, there are many people who feel, um, uh, you know, I just go in and do my job, whatever that is. And if and it don't have to be a, a nonprofit. Businesses can have a mission that can get people excited, excited like you are about what you're trying to do. And I would imagine it gets your, you, the people who work with you, whether they're volunteers or paid staff, excited as well. Is that true? Absolutely. Um, and beyond that, even the people who buy our products, they get excited because, you know, Someone's buying a, you know, $495 necklace at New York and they buy an Ecola necklace. They know not only did they 
spend money on something beautiful, but on something that, you know, it's fully reinvested in and buying one globally, you know, so even uh, consumers care about that and our staff, it transforms the way, you know, they think about with our company. And I think the move, the social business movement is just growing so much, especially with millennials, with, you know, Tom's Shoes and Seed and other, you know, great brands that are making a difference in the world. And we're a part of that as well. And I think that it's, it's a smart business strategy and it's the right thing to do. And so, you know, those two things combined, there's just you know, re- no reason not to have some level of corporate social responsibility and, and impact and to continue to, you know, think about how to integrate that throughout your whole business. Right. Um, and really, it ties in the, what I try to, when I work, in, you know, do business coaching is to try to work with companies to help them do good and do well. Or if you want to put it the other way, do well in terms of their profitability and performance, but also do good. And that oh, what, yeah. that's what social business is all about. Now, you've, you've told this absolutely amazing story of how you've grown the business from 2007 to today. Um, but we all know there are challenges. <laughs> um, yes. So w- what are some of the challenges you are facing, you faced or, and or facing now in growing a social business? Well, I mean, I think especially with our model and social businesses can be structured in all kinds of ways and from a benefit corporation to, um, you know, a, a regular for-profit business to a nonprofit. It's just a business that has an impact. And in our case, um, we are running a profitable business through a nonprofit framework and we're able to do that because our social mission is economic development. So it directly relates with profit. So, but it's a challenge for us because we have to create a really strong business infrastructure and mm-hmm. you know, especially to compete in the retail space in a store like Neiman Market as, as well as build a high-impact model that is actually transforming the lives of women. And so that's our greatest opportunity, but it's also our greatest challenge because we have to be you know, the best of any nonprofit and, and, and run, you know, a successful business at the same time. And, um, and that's challenging, but it's, it's absolutely worth it. And again, it, we've created a product line that, um, changes lives and, and so the challenges have been worth it. But, um, in our model, it, it takes a lot of work and we've also kind of built all of our infrastructure, um, from scratch. So we've, we built our training centers in Uganda and, our manufacturing facilities, and we, um, you know, built our employment program, you know, from nothing. And and we're working with women who've who've never had formal employment, <laughs> many who've never even been educated, and um, you know, they're producing products that are retailing and in the luxury space, you know. And so it's a challenge to quality is a challenge and um, just building that retail infrastructure to support that but again um, we're pushing through that and it's been really successful and been able to overcome a lot of those challenges to, to build a great brand and then you know one of the other things to think about well, you know you talked about the challenges of building this business and the way you structure it training the retail issues things like that what was was there a personal challenge for you as you grew this from 2007 to today? Yeah, I mean, I, 
actually, you know, I, I spent close to five years, you know, building this in Uganda, going back and forth from the U.S. to Uganda. And um, all my friends were working in New York and, you know, just having, just you know, really enjoying life. I was working in an, an African village and was often sick. And, you know, every all of the challenges living away from your family and friends and in a different culture. And, I mean, there were a lot of times where I was, tempted to, you know, give up. I mean, the work is hard and it's, you know, and again, we've had so many challenges building that. I mean, just imagine building, you know, this, this structure and, um, a developing country that's not your own. I mean, I was, and I was in my twenties when we were doing the majority of that. And, um, but I, yeah, I've every, every time I kind of hit that place of, I can't, can't, I don't know if I can even do this, you know, or I'm tired (laughs) or I, with my family or friends or my life at home, I just would remember, you know, these women and how their lives are changing and how their communities are changing as a result of what we're doing, and it, it kept me going. Um, very interesting, because it is, it's, diffi- it's difficult to uh, start a business in your own country with, with uh, a culture you know, people you know, support system you know, and then what you did was to start a business and start a, 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 a business, a project in, in, in a foreign country. And having lived in a foreign, two foreign countries myself, uh, I know w- what the challenges are. So I, I commend you very, very much. Um, just moving on, we probably have another minute or two. Uh, we've, you've brought us up to the present. What's the future? Where do you see the Ecola project uh, in a um, three to five years? Oh, gosh. I mean, with the Neiman Marcus opportunity, they've just opened up to so many new possibilities for our brand. And I think anytime you're retailing in every store nationally through a luxury retailer, um, especially one with the reputation of Neiman Marcus, again, you have you have opportunities to aggressively grow your brand. And so we're looking at um, kind of um, the product side and brand side continuing to grow in a national way. Um, And from the impact side, we have, you know, over 400 women now working with us in Uganda and in seven different, you know, areas. And we are looking at now growing Dallas. So we have 100 women um, who we work with who live in urban poverty now. We work in partnership with 15 nonprofits who sent us women in their program who couldn't get a job but want to get back on their feet, and, and we want to grow. We want to grow Dallas. And so we're hoping as these new retail opportunities come about that we're able to impact more and more women in our city and um, also continue to grow Uganda and our impact there as well. Well, Great. Uh, we, we, I want to talk to you some more about that, but it's time for a short break. I'm Marcia Zidal, the Smart Moves Coach, and my guest is Brittany Merrill Underwood, telling her entrepreneurial journey of how one person is making a difference in her community and the world. You're listening to The Business Edge on Voice America Business Channel. Stay tuned. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Need a speaker for your next event that will engage, educate, and energize? 
Marsha Zidal, the Smart Moves Coach, will quickly capture your audience attention with her enthusiasm, her ability to connect with diverse groups, and her real-world success stories. She creates learning experiences that turn on the light bulbs, trigger innovative ideas, and motivate decisive action. The result? Accelerated leadership performance and business profitability. Schedule a keynote, presentation, or webinar now. Go to smartmovescoach.com forward slash speaking. Have you heard the great news? Snelling has been awarded best of staffing by both clients and candidates for their remarkable service, an achievement less than 1% of all workforce solutions companies can claim. Simply put, Snelling's satisfaction scores are more than double the industry average. We call it People Plus, and you'll understand why when you give us a call. Call us at 1-800-411-6401 or visit our webpage at www.snelling.com. That's 1-800-411-6401 or S-N-E-L-L-I-N-G.com. Have you ever heard of someone who felt stuck in a challenging situation, feeling sideswiped by an event that took their success path off course? Glenn Ramsey, the entrepreneur blind spot coach, will help you to identify the unnoticeable reasons why you've derailed and get back on track with your KPI goals. Get realigned with success and connect with Glenn, the blind spot coach, at Glenn at InspireNexus.com to schedule your free discovery coaching session today. That's Glenn, G-L-E-N, at InspireNexus.com. You're tuned in to The Business Edge with Marsha's Idol. To reach Marsha or her guests on today's show, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send us an email to Marsha at smartmovescoach.com. Now, back to the Business Edge. Welcome back to the Business Edge. I'm Marsha Seidel, the Smart Moves Coach, helping entrepreneurs and business owners create a thriving culture and leadership to build great companies that matter, those that do good and do well. My guest is Brittany Merrill Underwood, sharing her entrepreneurial journey of how one person is making a difference in her community and the world. And we started with her story of how she started the Ecola Project. Uh, We've moved forward to presently. And we even talked a little bit about her future plans, which are ambitious and wonderful. But, you know, for the listeners, um, I think they would like to know more about, you know, I understand that you're the first full impact brand to launch nationally in the luxury space. Can you tell us more about that? Absolutely. Um, we so what a full impact brand is is a brand um, that has an impact at every at every stage of the production process of that product. So the raw materials in our product make a difference in women's lives, the assembly and the distribution. And on top of that, 100% of our profits are reinvested in our social mission. Um, so I can kind of take you through that. It's, it's really neat. With a jewelry, every single bead on our necklace um, certainly does no harm and at every point possible has an impact. And so we have women in Uganda for our Neiman's collection that's produced and assembled by women in urban poverty in Dallas actually making a lot of the beads even going into that necklace. So it's a, it's a global story. We have um, hand-cut 
you know, materials that the women are making with care, and those are hand-knotted and strung in Dallas in our production centers, um, you know, across some of the most marginalized areas of the city. And then even our distribution center at Acola is run as a second-chance job program for women who've been formerly incarcerated and can't find work. So even the way we distribute our product um, has been thought through and has meaning and purpose and gives back again. And then there's that 100% social reinvestment of all of our profits into our greater mission to help women. And um, we're just so excited to be the first brand that has that level of impact to ever launch in the luxury space. And I think it it, it presents an opportunity for other brands who um, maybe they can't give 100% of their profits into, you know, back to a social mm-hmm. mission. But what they can do is think about how how their products are produced and if there's a way to have an impact through that process. And um, that's what we're hoping to achieve um, by, by being in that space. You know, when you started this project, did you have this vision in mind of how you can have this total impact from the, the making of the beads to the distribution of the beads to the, you know, whatever? Was did, did that evolve, or did you have that model in your mind when you started? Oh, no, it absolutely evolved. I mean, I think our, you know, our, our first priority was these women need to generate income so they can care for their kids, send them to school, meet their basic needs. How can we do that? And that was through assembling the jewelry. But then as time went on, we started thinking, gosh, there's so many other parts of our production process that, that could have an impact on women around the globe. And so we started looking at that and, you know, having a deeper impact in all those areas as the years went on. And uh, so it's something that evolved. And I think what's really exciting about it is as the social business movement grows and even the conscious consumerism, you know, for business movement, you know, grows, um, we're hoping to kind of set the bar for, for impact, um, the kind of, like the most impact you could have as a product in this space, and and the goal is just for other brands to think about: can I just make some of that? Can I have some of that impact? Can I think about you know who I'm employing and and, and what materials I'm using, and if if they're doing harm or if they're helping, and um, and that alone would make a huge difference, I think, in the whole retail industry. Right. Um. That's, you know, I've used the word amazing several times, and I truly feel, it, 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 and the um, the idea that I get from this, and I've, I've other entrepreneurs I've talked to, is you start out with one idea, but then there's an evolution, and part of it is based on, you know, external factors, but part of it is on your learning curve. As you learn more, you decide that, well, we can do this and we can do that, and you get more confidence. So that's what I'm yes. hearing from you. Am I correct on that? Absolutely. And we just learned more and more. And I think as we had new opportunities, even with, you know, the new Neiman Marcus partnership, um, we've we've been able to use all of the natural materials that our women make in Uganda to kind of incorporate into the Neiman Marcus line that again, assembled here by women in urban poverty in Dallas. But what's really neat is we incorporated gemstones for the first time in, in that line, and this is just an example of that. And, you know, it's it's sort of a dark industry. I mean, it's hard to not only do no harm, but it's 
they're certainly hard to find social impact gemstones that are helping marginalized communities. And it's sort of, you know, another sort of evolution that we're saying, gosh, it's a lot of opportunity. You know, how can we encourage groups, you know, around the globe to have women hand cut, you know, and polish gemstones and even have an impact in, in that area? And how can we use our purchasing power to fuel that and partnerships with other nonprofits? And so I think at every, every stage, there's, there's new challenges and there's new opportunities for impact, and we've we've been able to see those and incorporate them into our model. And so, again, the word of wisdom I hear from you is that each stage uh, there are challenges, but there are opportunities. And and I think that every entrepreneur, business owner has to realize that because they are going to go through different stages. So I want to move forward because what I'm, you know, very interested in is. Um, the leadership issue here, um, you know, and we all know that entrepreneurs face a variety of le- leadership issues when they move from a startup to a more established business and as they grow. So um, I just want to get some of your thoughts on, um, you know, how do you hire the, as you've grown, how do you hire the right talent? What are you looking for or how do you identify them? Um, what were some of the things that you've, you've learned in this process? I think what I've, I've learned is, first of all, I certainly don't need to be doing everything. <laughs> I'm gifted <laughs> in, in very specific ways. And I'm, I mean, I'm a classic entrepreneur. That's, I'm big picture. I'm a visionary. I'm creative, um, but I'm not, I'm not super detail-oriented. And, you know, there's areas that I'm, I have a lot of weaknesses in. So I think in the very beginning, maybe it was because I was so young that I just I was very candid when I looked at myself and said, here's what I'm good at, here's what I'm not. And I've always hired people that are great at what I'm not um, from the very beginning. Um, And I think, you know, kind of starting with that and saying, you know, here's my strengths and here's here's where I need some great talent because I'm not good in these areas. And, and just continuing to think that way as we build our team, you know, where, where do we need um, – new talent and what are what are areas we need to grow in and, and how can we recruit the right people. I think what's been fun for us is it's, we're a great place for people to come after being sort of in the, you know, heavy in the corporate world for a while and they say, gosh, we want to stay in business, but we want to have an impact. So we're not ready to like go into, you know, working for a traditional nonprofit, but we want to, you know, have more purpose in the work that we're doing and, and we're a really great fit for them. And so we've been able to find um, just really wonderful talent who, who's, uh, you know, they've gotten to the place in their, in their life where they're saying, I just, I want to give back, but I want to give back in a mm-hmm. smart way. And I want to use my business skills to do that. And so we've recruited great talent from that. Right. And, and, and you're, you know, um, you're unique. And so, um, I would imagine like some of the other, um, um, entrepreneurs that I've uh, interviewed uh, because they've developed either because of their purpose or their great culture that they have, people come to them. Um, one said, I don't put ads in the, you know, whatever, Craigslist or whatever. It's word of mouth and people come to us because of how we do business. So I would imagine it's the same thing for you, that people yeah. come to Ecola because of what you do and your, and your mission. Thank you. And they leave high-paying jobs in their, you know, in their industry to come, you know, work for us where, you know, obviously we're able to be 
relatively competitive there, but, um, you know, we are trying to reinvest as much as we can in our social right. mission. Um, and so if, if we can keep our overhead relatively low, then we can do have more of an impact. And we're always thinking about that as a nonprofit. And so um, it's been amazing to see people say, you know, I'm just at a place where I want my life to count and I want, I want my work every day to have, have purpose and change lives. And, they've made sacrifices to um, work with us and even reach out to us to work with us because they're, they're ready to make that change in their lives. And so it's been really neat to see that. So moving on, as, as a business grows, um, I've talked a bit about this earlier. Um, what kind of culture um, have you been building for you? Have you thought about the kind of culture you wanted? Did it just evolve? And where is it? I mean, describe as you see it, the culture for your, for a cola. Yeah, so it has evolved. And I mean, I think early on, it was like a family. I mean, it was a group of people who just, <laughs> you know, uh, really were sacrificing their time and energy and talent um, for the sake of others and, and trying to build something that's meaningful and impactful at a, at a very great cost to themselves. And, and we all sort of, you know, worked organically in, in sort of a family-like environment. I mean, our whole team actually lived together in Uganda mm-hmm. in, a big, in our office space. <laughs> you know, when we first started, obviously don't do that anymore, but um, had this kind of family culture that we still want to see, even though we've grown a lot and have a much larger staff in Uganda and in the U.S., um, but just... Um, you know, a group of people who are not only caring for others but for each other, and that's a huge value of ours. And what's been fun to think about as we move into the future, um, the majority of people working for us are women, um, and a lot of young women, too, a lot of millennials who are, you know, right at that point where they're, you know, they're married and they're thinking about kids, and, and so we have this great opportunity to not only empower women you know, in the work that we do, marginalized women who, who are overcoming quite a bit, but also empower the women on our staff and have really have a really and build a really unique culture where women can stay in the workforce and have a family and feel like they're doing both well. And I think we're we're at this fun point where we're trying to think about what does that look like and mm-hmm. how can we build a really innovative organizational culture that supports women in the workforce. And so that's kind of the next thing we're looking at. Well, uh, that was that was really my next question. Is um, every company, every uh, entrepreneur, every business as they grow, they, they started out with a culture, but and especially if it's a family oriented culture. Ha, but as they grow, um, there are challenges in in continuing that. So, um, have you? Are you just? Have you come to any? conclusions on how you're going to, you know, develop that culture as you grow? Or is it something that you would like to come back on the show and, and talk talk about it? Yeah, we've, we've reached out to um, just some incredible women entrepreneurs who have started companies that, you know, again, they, they take care of their team and their staff. And um, they, you know, especially in our, you know, in our our work, our whole, you know, message is women's empowerment. So going back to how does that trickle down to our, not only the women we're serving in these, you know, different communities, but, but our staff and the girls on our team. And I, you know, I'm, I'm about to have my second child and 
it's been it's been really interesting for me to go through that process of you know wanting to be a great mom and a great wife and a great friend, but also run a company <laughs> at the same time. And and I know very personally that and um, it's very close and it's right in front of me the challenges that 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 presents um, for women especially. And so I think I'm more passionate than ever to to start getting really innovative and creative about. <laughs> you know, what that looks like and what kind of flexibility we can offer and what kind of office environment is conducive to bringing, you know, infant and young children that still need to be and want to be with their mothers, but they normally have to kind of make that choice between working or being with their family. Is there a way where that can come together? And we're just, yeah, we're looking at that with a fresh perspective and with great mentors, but also with that kind of millennial mindset of, why don't we create something totally new? And and that's, that's exciting to me. Right. Um, and so you're living it. I mean, it's not just theoretical. It is you're living it and you will continue living it soon after you have your second child. So that's what I meant is perhaps you can come back maybe in six months and talk to us about what you're, you know, how how it's evolved even further. But there's one other thing that I want to talk you know, get your insights on um, uh, before our break, which is... Um, in talking with other entrepreneurs, uh, most of them have said to me, you know, um, I started out leading one way, but now I've had to realize I've had to lead uh, uh, perhaps differently or change some things as the my, my business or my company has grown. Um, have you seen any change in your leadership style as you've grown? Or um, can you talk a bit about that? Yes, absolutely. I'm, again, I'm very big picture and I'm a visionary and I, I, I can kind of see and I've always been my dad is this way and you know started a business when he was in his young 20s and I just grew up in with that kind of entrepreneurial energy in, in my my home and but but I'm also wired that way so it's a great gift to be able to see kind of what's ahead and, and what things can be but I've realized you know in the beginning I think my huge ideas like really overwhelmed our team because I, you know, I mean, you know, they thought, oh my gosh, we're already doing all of this, and then in three years we're supposed to be doing, go here, and how are we going to get there? And I just had to learn how to kind of tone down, like have these ideas in my head, but be able to communicate them to our team in a way that makes them not feel overwhelmed but excited to take the steps that they're going to have to take to get you know, our organization to that place. And so I've, I've kind of learned, um, I think a lesson that probably many entrepreneurs learn, but that not everyone's wired that way. And it's not mm-hmm. exciting for everyone to think, you know, in five years we're going to grow this quickly and do this, be here, you know, there, that can be overwhelming. And so I've, um, I've learned how to, I think, better <laughs> communicate that to our team and, um, be able to continue to be creative and dream big, but in a way that kind of involves our entire staff versus coming up with these huge ideas and, you know, mm-hmm. having everyone have to get behind it and execute it. So I think that's been one of the biggest lessons um, in leadership for me, especially as sort of a visionary personality. And I and I truly identify with that uh, because I'm one of those at big picture, and um, and and so it is a learning. Uh, it's a, a lesson learned to, and I'm sure you're learning this too, is to match your 
style of communication with the other person's style of, you know, and, and if you're way enthusiastic and they're just looking at you like, what is she, where is she going with this sort of to, you know, to, to adjust your style. So, um, you know, I appreciate your being uh, frank about it because one of the key things about being a, a great successful entrepreneur is self-awareness and then knowing how you impact others, uh, whether positively and, and, and sometimes negatively and how you need to adjust your style for the other person. But it is now time for a short break. I'm Marcia Zidal, the Smart Moves Coach, and my guest is Brittany Merrill Underwood, telling her entrepreneurial journey of how one person is making a difference in her community and the world. You're listening to The Business Edge on Voice America Business Channel. Stay tuned. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Have you heard the great news? Snelling has been awarded Best of Staffing by both clients and candidates for their remarkable service, an achievement less than 1% of all workforce solutions companies can claim. Simply put, Snelling's satisfaction scores are more than double the industry average. We call it People Plus, and you'll understand why when you give us a call. Call us at 1-800-411-6401 or visit our webpage at www.snelling.com. That's 1-800-411-6401 or S-N-E-L-L-I-N-G.com. Need a speaker for your next event that will engage, educate, and energize? Marsha Zidal, the Smart Moves Coach, will quickly capture your audience's attention with her enthusiasm, her ability to connect with diverse groups, and her real-world success stories. She creates learning experiences that turn on the light bulbs, trigger innovative ideas, and motivate decisive action. The result? Accelerated leadership performance and business profitability. Schedule a keynote, presentation, or webinar now. Go to smartmovescoach.com forward slash speaking. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. tuned into the business edge with marcia's idol to reach marcia or her guests on today's show please call 1-866-472-5790 that's 1-866-472-5790 you can also send us an email to marcia at smartmovescoach.com now back to the business edge welcome to the business the edge I'm Marcia Seidel, the Smart Moves Coach, helping entrepreneurs and business owners create a thriving culture and leadership to build great companies that matter, those that do good and do well. My guest is Brittany Merrill Underwood, and she's been sharing her entrepreneurial journey of how one person is making a difference in her community and the world. And she talked about the Akola uh, project when it started in 2007 and how it has grown today 
uh, where it's in the luxury market and, and, and the products that are being made by these disadvantaged women in Uganda as well as in Dallas are being sold nationally uh, in Neiman Marcus. And it is a, a, a story of, of having a vision um, and, and, and growing that vision and evolving a business as that vision has taken off. So I, I would love to tap into uh, Brittany's experience. So I think what I'd like to, to ask Brittany now is, um, in your entrepreneurial journey, what has been your biggest aha moment or moments? Because I'm sure you may have had more than one. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I mean, I think the first one um, was when I was you know, relatively new at this. I had just you know, moved to Uganda. We had raised all this money to help the woman that I met that sort of started this entire journey who was taking care of street kids in her home. And, you know, the idea of um, how to help had not been fully evolved. And I was so young, and we, we were going to build an orphanage for the kids that slept on our floor. And we actually I raised um, close to a million dollars with a group of friends and moved to Uganda to build this, this orphanage to help Sarah and her kids. And I think, um, we spent three years building it. It still stands. Um, but one of the biggest aha moments and lessons learned in this journey was I think about six months in, I realized the more I learned about the culture and the women and the real needs of this village and community. Um, when I was, when I was so young, the more I, 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 I recognized, that the orphanage model is not easy to replicate. It's, it's not the best way to care for orphan and disadvantaged children, and especially um, in rural communities where these mothers want to take care of them and don't want them to leave the home. You know, that's, it, it just wasn't the best way. And the biggest aha moment I had um, was, you know, 24 years old and had done this big project that aired nationally and internationally on CNN because we were so young and back in 2007, 2008. And at the same time, we got all of this attention for this great project we did. We realized it's not the direction we want to continue in and we Mm -hmm. had to pivot to really do things right. And um, that has been such a great lesson to me is to be able to recognize when, when something is even if it seems successful, if it's not the best way to be able to change directions and, and be more effective um, and innovate to create a better solution for, you know, um, for, in our case, um, disadvantaged communities. And so um, the aha moment was that it's okay to say, you know, we, we started out this way and we worked hard on this project and I'm glad we did it, but it, it's not the best way and there is a better way and to be able to, to totally pivot and have the confidence to do that. And, and even throughout this journey to have, you know, be able to recognize when what we were doing wasn't helpful and wasn't right. And to not see failure as, you know, this <laughs> thing we have to cover up or be afraid of, but just an indication that we need to innovate. Um, and I think that, that, kind of along this journey, I think our model has become what it is today and um, and is because we've had the ability to kind of look at you know look at it honestly at different parts of the journey and say this isn't the best like let's make it better let's change this let's create something new and um, and I think that's how Cola has become what it is today and and so 
Um, the the, the uh, nugget of wisdom is, you know, a couple things that you said. Um, you can look, learn from failure. You don't look at something where you thought it, you were going in the right direction, and even and you find that th- that direction may not be best for what you're trying to 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 accomplish, and not to see it as a failure, but to see it as a learning experience, and then to move on. Um, was there well, another even more? Yeah, go ahead. Yes, like an opportunity to innovate, you know, and to get ah, creative. And I mean, I think that um, you know that's been such a great lesson for us. Is you know, it's it's not you know, looking at it is 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 not failure, but again, an opportunity to create something better and new, and that's exciting. Um, and I think that's again, that's how our model has become as dynamic as it is and has the impact that it does on not only our social impact development side, but also through our product and the quality of our product and its ability to retail in the luxury space. I think we've looked at our our product development that way as well as our social impact. And um, anytime something didn't work, we recognized it quickly and we changed and we innovated and, and that was fun. Right, and so the other nugget is when when you to to always be uh, evaluating, um, and if you recognize something is not working, um, not to uh, you know I think there's a, a tension of and how do you how do you deal with this tension of well if we only spend a little more time if we only do X Y Z versus pulling the plug or, do, or if not necessarily pulling the plug, but, but looking at it differently. How did you deal with that tension of, you know, perseverance, we're going to continue to down this road at the same time realizing it may not be the right road? Yeah, I, I think, you know, the one thing I've always had in the forefront of my mind is, you know, the reason why we're doing what we're doing, and it's to help disadvantaged women, you know, become agents of transformation in their families and communities to give them the opportunity to provide. And that's the one thing we've never strayed from. Our, our social mission has been the same. Um, but what has changed is how, how we get there and how we achieve it. And I think, again, um, it's, it's fun to be a millennial because I think <laughs> the millennial mindset is... Just create something new. You know, if, if there's not a model that works, develop one. You know, like it, it doesn't have to have been done before. And, you know, that's how kind of the rise of these social businesses and hybrid structures that kind of blend the best of for-profit with, you know, business models to create change have emerged from that mindset of, you know, age can be really ineffective. So how can businesses are very effective? Like how can we combine helping with good business models and, and innovate. And I, I think that that's been kind of our attitude throughout the whole process. And I feel like that was just so natural and, and is natural in my age group to kind of think that way. And I, yes, and I have interviewed several uh, millennials and yes, very, and I'm a baby boomer. So it's a very different mindset. And you know what? Uh, I would have. I wish I could be young again. So, because I, I, I think this mindset is great. Um, but I'd love to. I want to move on. Um, and again, because you've had this great experience, um, what advice or words of wisdom will you give to entrepreneurs starting or or growing, um, you know, a business 
um, that that has some uh, that they want to have some impact. You know, a social business or a business that will have an impact on their community and the world. Yeah, I think just um, realizing, gosh, you've got one life to live. I mean, you've got one life to live. And looking at, you know, your business as, as a way to not only, you know, provide for your own family and, you know, for your own asset base but and be creative, but, but as a platform to, to change the world. And, I mean, anyone can think that way. Um, and, and integrate any type of impact in any part of their production process or the way they give back or, you know, who they partner with or, you know, um, how, how they're integrated into their community and the needs there. It's just there's nothing better than to wake up every morning and know that your life is so much more than you and, and that it has a purpose and, and meaning so much far farther beyond anything that maybe you'll even be able to see. And I, I feel like I'm living life so fully and, um, and so completely. And it's because I think I've been able to move past meeting just my own needs to thinking about others. And so I would just say the advice is, um, this, this is your life. And again, you got, you have one chance and make a difference if you can. Well, on that note, I want to thank you so much, Brittany, for your your insights, um, and, and and you've motivated me, you know, to go out and change the world. Um, and I, I think you've motivated others. So, if listeners want to contact you, how can they do that? How can they find out about the Acola project? Absolutely, there's so many ways to engage with Acola and. Um, we obviously retail in every Neiman Marcus store. And so, you know, the more people who buy our product, the more we're able to give them the opportunity to make that product and change their lives. And so please go visit Neiman Marcus. We have our own flagship store in Dallas, Texas, um, where people can host events and actually bring their community groups and um, even have business events there, learn about our project, buy jewelry, and, and just, have a, have a great event space there. So we do that. We have volunteers in Dallas. We have people who come to Uganda. Um, and all of that's available um, through ACOLA. So you can go to our website at ACOLAProject, A-K-O-L-A-P-R-O-J-E-C-T.org to see our jewelry line and different ways you can help. Um, but also, you know, you can email us. So um, the, the best contact is Lindsay, who kind of keeps our whole company together. It's L-A-N-D-S-E-Y at acolaproject.org, and she can plug you in if you're interested in getting more engaged in what we do. Well, um, thank you so much again, uh, um, uh, for this amazing story and for your enthusiasm and for your insights and, you know, doing, making a business grow, making it successful, and doing, doing um, something good for the community. So I'd like to just quickly uh, tell the listeners what next week's program is about to bring more leadership, uh, magic to your leadership and your business. And it is Empowering Women to be Successful Business Leaders. My guest is Sonia Ratra, co-founder of Accra 
incorporated a multinational IT staffing and managed services firm headquartered in Santa Clara, California. She's on the National Board of Directors at the Institute for Economic Empowerment of Women, which mentors women entrepreneurs in Rwanda and Afghanistan. And she's passionate about bringing women back into the workforce. And she has just launched an exciting initiative called Women Back to Work. She will tell how this program helps companies improve gender diversity and hire talent in this tight talent market. Tune in to hear more of this amazing story on Friday, October 14th at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern. Remember, to be successful, you must get outside your comfort zone. That's where the magic happens. Thank you. You've been listening to The Business Edge with Marsha Zidal, the Smart Moves Coach. Join us again next Friday, noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Make the leap from a stressful to a successful business.